You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you keeping? I'm well. How are you keeping? Not bad. It's pretty good today. Are we getting closer and closer to being in studio? Yes. Yes, we are. Yes. Um, there is, uh, at the moment, there's the the move is um, there's some re- renovations going on at mm-hmm. the new location, but soon enough we'll we'll be there. For yeah, sure. I'm very very much looking forward to it. Very much looking to the live shows, but I'm going to have to regroup and and go down a different lane. I've been so used to being able to record these and and being at home, but it will be great. It'll be great to get back into studio. Today's show, oh, me too. I'm looking forward to it. Sorry about that, Alex. Um, I just want to let everyone know that today's show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in, but that may be on the horizon. Um, Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations, and do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. And remember to subscribe to our podcast. We have such amazing guests on our show, so when you subscribe, you don't even have to think uh, twice about it. You'll be notified when our podcasts are put up, and they are on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, most of your favorite podcasts platforms. You can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. Alex, we have a very interesting guest today, and um, her expertise is rooted in the fact that uh, when her son was born, he was, he was ill, and she just wouldn't take no for an answer when it came to his health. And after years of research, and we'll get into this, uh, obviously, when we talk to her, um, she was able to really move her son's health in such a positive direction. Uh, it, it really does go a test to the fact of how invested she was in her child and in his health. So it's a wonderful story. And our guest is Brunde Brody and her infant son experienced an onslaught of health issues that conventional medicine couldn't define or treat. And so she began her own research-based quest for answer. And over the course of about 10 years, she pulled together hundreds of threads from scientific journal articles and revealed the importance of an enzyme called calcium ATPase, 
Brody has a Yale MBA and has received patents in both United States and China related to her work on this enzyme. She wrote The Calcium Connection, the little known enzyme at the root of your cellular health to share her knowledge with as many people as possible to help them make educated health and lifestyle decisions. It really is a, a fantastic story. Uh, we are talking about many things. Obviously, we will be finding out what uh, calcium ATPase is, what this enzyme is, what in its main functions in the body, and what happens if this enzyme is dysregulated. So wonderful, wonderful woman. And our conversation is going to really open the eyes. I mean, this is something that I did not know about myself. So as I've mentioned um, in shows before, I, I really love to sit back and just be completely educated by our guests. I think it's a, a wonderful, a wonderful thing, not just for myself on a personal level, but um, for you listeners too, to be educated on such weighty topics. So we will be back to talk to Brenda. Everyone stay tuned.
Are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, our show today is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in, but please do feel free to follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at The Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Brundy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure, and it, your story is so inspiring. Um, you just didn't let go of it, and you know it's that's that is just something that is that that people need to hear. Um, now, you're not from the medical field to start off with. I know that you've kind of transitioned into this with the study and the trajectory yeah. of your of your career, but give us a bit of a, a background story as to who you are. Sure. So um, I kind of came from a family where nutrition was, was, was noticed, so to speak. My mom would go to Roy's health food store every week and come back with books. And so I kind of knew basically that there was something to nutrition. Um, And then I went to school, got my MBA from Yale and went into finance because I I was very analytical. Um, And I had never dreamed that I would possibly go into anything related to medical or science issues. And um, I was really just ended up being drawn into it simply because my son needed my help. And so that's how I got involved in this area. I never would have gotten involved otherwise, I don't think. I was from finance too. switched from finance uh, into where I am today. So you just have to follow the path that's being laid out, don't you? Right, absolutely. So tell us the story about your son, because as you said, this is the root of, of how all this, this wonderful information and your research, this is the root of, of the whole, the whole thing. So let us, let us, you know, follow along in that story about your son. I'm sure. So my son Canute, I know that's a tricky name. It's Canute. He's named after my dad. Um, the day he was born, in fact, an hour after he was born, he was rushed into the ICU because he was having breathing issues. And um, that was kind of the beginning of a lot of different problems, which included sleep apnea, where he would stop breathing, um, asthma, swallowing problems, muscle weakness, um, kind of strange skin issues. And so we were able to kind of get a handle on the most, you know, kind of the most threatening issues such as sleep apnea we had a monitor asthma we had you know four times nebulizer um 
but we never really got to the bottom of what was the cause of all these things. And I got tested, had him tested for everything possible from muscle diseases to metabolic diseases to just everything. And no one could really come up with what was causing these issues. And so finally I was just like, I've got to find something because as a mother, you just feel completely helpless and completely responsible and, you know, just so connected to your child. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to figure this out. So I started to really observe what was happening to him on a daily basis and how that corresponded to what he was eating, what he was exposed to. And on the other hand, I started looking into what kind of things go into his problems. And what I started with was muscles because one of his kind of classic symptoms was muscle weakness, both in his body and in his, his like eyelids and so forth. So I had him tested for all the normal medical diseases with muscles, such as myasthenia gravis. They all came back negative. So I looked into how muscles work. And what I found out was that the level of calcium within muscle cells actually regulate calcium, I mean, regulate muscle contraction and relaxation. So that was kind of one part. And then on the other hand, I one of the symptoms, one of the things that made his symptoms worse was an additive called TBHQ. So just kind of on a hunch, I typed into the PubMed database, which is a database of every single scientific journal article that's been written in the last 50 years. And I typed in TBHQ and calcium. And what came up was a lot of information about how TBHQ inhibits this important enzyme for calcium regulation called calcium ATPase. <laughs> So to make a long story short, eventually I, I was able to find in the database that many of the things that made Knut's symptoms worse had a negative effect on this enzyme. And then once I figured that out and I figured out by reducing his exposure to these things, his symptoms improved, kind of went on a over a decade long quest to find out more about calcium ATPase. And then what I ended up realizing is that it really had a wide implication for every single person for their health. And that's kind of what brought me to, to writing this book. And it's really a labor of love trying to educate people because it's kind of, even though there's been 25,000 scientific journal articles written about it, there is not any public awareness of it. So that's, that was the basis for me writing this book. It's, it, I have a few questions that have popped out of that. Um, first off, let's go back. Maybe I missed this, but what exactly is TBHQ? Okay, so TBHQ is a preservative that's added, for example, in Reese's peanut butter cups, in Giraldi chocolates, in um, Pop-Tarts, just is added as a preservative in a lot of different foods. So it's kind of one of those things that if you go to any environmental site, they're like, you know, watch out about TBHQ, but they don't really give a foundation for that. But completely not knowing anything, that's the first thing I typed in, and that's what would which put that's what put calcium ATPase on my radar. Now was Canute, right? Am I saying that properly? Yes, Canute. Can you, was his, were his muscle, just we're going to make this link between, or you've already made this link between calcium and muscle function. Were his muscle functionings, uh, did they come and go or was it a chronic? Yeah. 
They did. Yeah, well, they, they became more, they had periods of him being better and worse. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was really very clear when he went to spend the weekend with my parents. Um, because eventually I became more aware of what he was eating. Um, but um, his symptoms would definitely, they were always there and they still are always there at a low level but there's definitely things that make them much worse. And this is one of the things that um, contributes to that. So um, what about functioning uh, neuro- neurologically? Is he, has it impacted neurological function? Yeah, so his symptoms are rather clear in the sense that he has something called ptosis, which is when your eyelid droops, which is often a sign of myasthenia gravis and he also had what's called scapular muscle weakness which meant it was hard for him to sit up straight and um and then just kind of general my hypotonia which meant even though he could ride a, a tricycle it was harder for him when he jumped off of the playground you know the the structures he would fall when he jumped off um it would be hard for him to hold on to you know, the, the monkey rings. Um, so all these things were kind of like right on the edge of being, except for the ptosis, they were right on the edge of being near normal, but off normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went to neurologist and when they did the EMG, which is kind of the way they stick a needle in the muscle, what showed up was abnormalities, which basically instead of a light bulb, which usually has electricity that's constant, it was as if the electricity caused the light bulb to flicker, which means it just was never quite normal. Um, but they were never able to come up with defining what their problem was or what to do about it. And it did very quite, it did, does, it did and still does when he has the wrong things to eat very quite considerably. Um, but it never was absolutely normal. It was always right there on the edge. So is this uh, an enzyme that is tested for often? Does this come out in a regular um, blood panel? So currently, no, um, which is surprising because, like I said, 25,000 scientific journal articles have been written about its importance. Um, I am working on that. I'm working with a company called Neurodon to solve that kind of that missing link. There are testing um, strategies available um, based on the research studies. But in the meantime, to kind of give you some rough idea in terms of adults, um, calcium ATPase levels are inversely correlated with A1C levels. So as your A1C levels go up, which, which is not a good thing, your calcium ATPase levels go down. And another kind of pseudo measurement is LDL cholesterol because higher LDL cholesterol reduces calcium ATPase. Um, so those are two tests that are routinely done that can kind of give you a rough idea, but hopefully in the next year, there'll be a simple blood test where they can test platelet calcium ATPase. And uh, it definitely should be something um, that's tested as routinely as cholesterol or everything else. Cause it's such a fundamental pennant of um, health. 
Interesting. Um, this should open everybody's eyes to a broader understanding of how we can dig deeper into health. It's it's fascinating. Um, I battle with cholesterol problems. I'm trying to manage things as naturally as possible. I had no idea. Um, so, I mean, now we've kind of gone gone at this through the back door. We need to now understand what calcium ATPase is and the functioning of calcium. I think many of us are familiar with the cal- calcium is very important for bone structure, but you, you've sort of touched on some other areas where it's applicable to your son's health. And maybe you can, uh, we can start talking about the importance of this enzyme and the functioning of calcium. Absolutely. So it was totally confusing because everybody, including myself, before this whole journey, when you think of calcium, you think of your bones and your teeth and how as you get older, you need to take calcium to prevent osteoporosis and absolutely true and absolutely important. But just kind of as a background, there's about 2.2 pounds of calcium in everybody's body. It's really a big percentage actually for a mineral, but there's most of it is in your bones and your teeth, and that's why you take supplements. But uh, just a tiny amount, a teaspoon and a quarter, is actually called free calcium because it's not bound to your bones, your teeth. And what that, where that is, is in your bloodstream and inside your cells. <clears throat> so what's important to understand, and I know this is a new concept and it may take a while to, to kind of think about it, but the level of calcium within your cells goes up and down. And with that acts as a traffic signal to every single cell function, it's important that it goes up and down, but it has to be tightly regulated by the body. And so the body's primary way of regulating this calcium level is this enzyme and it's called calcium ATPase. And before you get intimidated, <laughs> calcium, we know, ATPase, ATP is simply the energy that the enzyme runs off of. So it's calcium ATPase. And its only job is to help every cell in the whole body regulate the level of calcium within the cell so it's just right where it needs to be. And basically what it does is when the calcium levels rise, they need to be brought back down to normal. And so calcium ATPase takes some calcium from the cell and pumps it back into these storage vesicles within the cell, thereby lowering the calcium back down to where it needs to be. So essentially, it's kind of like if your kids shot the Nerf gun bullets all over the house, you know, calcium ATPase is the one that picks them up and puts them back ready for the next round. Um, so that's kind of what I ended up focusing in on is calcium ATPase. And again, as we'll probably learn in this discussion, that ends up having a huge role in your health and your susceptibility to all sorts of diseases. So, okay, so without getting past the bones and the teeth, what is the function of calcium as you're looking at it within the cells? Okay, so basically when an event needs to happen, for example, the heart needs to beat. So the calcium levels within the cardiac muscle cells rise in order for this for the heart to contract, which is the contraction of the heart. Then the heart needs to relax. So the calcium levels within the cells need to, to go back to normal. So both are important, the rise and the fall. 
And what calcium ADPase does, the rise is like a green light, heart muscle contraction. But the light needs to be turned back to red and calcium ATPase kind of through that yellow portion of the light transport calcium back into the storage vesicles out of the cell. So it enables the muscle to relax. Another example is neurotransmitter release. Okay, so you need, for example, say dopamine to be released from the neurotransmitter to, to trigger activity, but you don't need dopamine to be constantly uh, release. So what calcium ATPase does in the neurons is once the dopamine is released, it comes in and clears the calcium out of the cell into storage compartments so that A, you don't have a continuous release of dopamine and B, next time you need dopamine, you'll have enough calcium to be released to trigger the response. So calcium ATPase is a modulator of calcium levels within the cells, which if, if you can imagine a city with traffic signals, right? And if the traffic signals aren't working properly, there's going to be total chaos everywhere in the city. And so that's what happens when calcium ATPase is not working properly. It's like there's a glitch in your traffic signals. So that's kind of that's kind of the bottom line of why it's so important. So is it classified? It's classified as an enzyme. It's an enzyme, which basically means a protein that facilitates a reaction in the body. So what it facilitates is the pumping of calcium from the cell into storage vesicles. Um, so that's his only job. It just does one thing. Okay. So then the function, uh, take, take me down this pathway, the function of calcium then within the cell, is it of, of an electronic nature or like electrical stimulation? Is that what's happening? I mean, in a way you could say that, but for example, in muscle cells, the rise of calcium, the calcium connects to the tropopin, which ends up moving the muscle fibers. So the important part of calcium ATPase's role is that in a wide range of cells, the rise in calcium triggers an action. And it can be neurotransmitter release, it can be blood, I mean, blood vessel contraction, it can be insulin release. There's a number of different things. The rise and fall of calcium is in control of every single cell function. So depending on the cell, that can mean different things. But what's, what's universal is that the rise in calcium triggers an event and the calcium levels need to be brought back down to normal. And that's what calcium ATPase does. Very interesting. We're going to take a quick break here because I have a couple of questions in mind, and I think that would just take us right over the top. So everybody, we will be back in a couple of minutes to continue this conversation.
You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking with Brunde Brody, and we're having a conversation about calcium ATPase. And hopefully you were with us for the first part of the show because it's absolutely fascinating. So I want to talk about, uh, uh, we, we've talked a lot about functioning. Let's talk about the relationship between calcium and calcium ATPase and your area of focus, which is on the enzyme, <clears throat> excuse me. Does it, are we, do we need to be concerned about the amount of calcium in the cells or is it the amount of the enzyme that is the issue for most of us? Um, The primary issue is the amount of the enzyme, because if you don't have the the right amount of the enzyme, calcium levels within your cells are going to be dysregulated. I mean, that can take us down a long road of things like calcium channel blockers, which is a common uh, prescription for blood pressure medicine, which basically reduces the level of calcium within the cells. But the net net is that calcium ATPase is crucial to the regulation of calcium within your cells. So no matter what your situation from birth to old age, that's relevant to your health. So when we're talking about um, a, not a disease state, but when we're talking about an imbalance, does it go both ways? Is it a, is it a, a deficit of this enzyme and an excess of it? Or are we, are we talking about deficit? It's completely deficit. In okay. fact, when they use um, drugs to stimulate calcium ATPase, for example, in animal studies with diabetes, what they found is for normal mice, even though they stimulate calcium ATPase, there's no change in their blood sugar and so forth. It only impacts the mice with low calcium ATPase. So in short, you can't have too much calcium ATPase. Can you lead us down the connection? Like In your book, you've got many diseases that... Um, uh, can be affected. Uh, I don't know if you're talking root cause or as a contributing factor, but can you walk us through the connections between um, a deficit in calcium ATPase and, and several diseases that you've listed in the book? Sure. So um, kind of one of the most straightforward examples is obesity. And the reason why is that calcium ATPase plays a major role in your metabolic rate. And it's, there's kind of a complicated answer as to why, but as we all know, the thyroid hormone, right, stimulates your metabolism. What most people don't know is the way it stimulates your metabolism is through its stimulation and increase of calcium ATPase, because as calcium ATPase is doing its job, regulating the calcium levels within the cells, it uses up energy you know, i.e. ATP, which is, so it ends up being like between 15 and 20% of your total metabolism. So if you have low calcium ATPase, which is often associated with obesity, it reduces your metabolism. 
And it kind of as a piggyback onto that is diabetes. And the reason why it's so important is because reduced calcium ATPase actually leads to reduced insulin production. And then to top it off, reduced calcium ATPase can lead to pancreatic cell death. So when you have diabetes, it's almost guaranteed you have low calcium ATPase in your pancreatic cells that ends up causing problems throughout your body because of reduced calcium ATPase. So those are some kind of metabolic diseases, but another example is cancer. So calcium levels within the cell play a major role in cell proliferation. And in cancer cells, what happens is these abnormal cells take over and start multiplying faster than they need to, and they outpace normal cells. Well, the, the role calcium ATPase plays is that calcium levels within every cell control cell proliferation. So when you don't have enough calcium ATPase, the proliferation can kind of get out of control, which can contribute to cancer. It doesn't mean it causes cancer, but if you get a cancer cell, it can kind of be an accelerator for it. So as it turns out, reduced calcium ATPase is associated with many cancers such as squamous, lung cancer, cancer, I mean, colon cancer, breast cell cancer, in every case, the worse the disease, the worse the tumors or growth, the lower the calcium ATPase. So the bottom line is that reduced calcium ATPase can make you susceptible, more susceptible to a wide range of diseases. So how do you test for calcium ATPase? Is it a blood test? <laughs> In theory, it is, and it should be, and hopefully soon it will be. Um, I'm working very diligently with a company that is in the process of developing one that you should be able to get at Quest or anywhere you go with your annual or biannual visit. Um, right now, um, despite the fact that there's 25,000 journal articles showing their importance of it, it's not readily available, but hopefully it will be available soon. Also, you can't, you can't really get this. You walked into your doctor and said, I want to get this enzyme tested. They can't do it. It is not, it is currently not available, but it's not, it's not that complicated. And um, actually I've reached out to some researchers that have done it in some of their studies and it's actually not very complicated. So we've currently um, begun the process of figuring out how, that could be a readily available test, which is obviously so important. So we can't really pinpoint an understanding of a deficit on symptomology because it's wide ranging. Um, right. So then the issue becomes for someone who's more proactive in their health, are there ways to encourage the production of this enzyme? Yes, there are. And there's kind of two different parts of that. One is we know there's things that reduce this enzyme and they're kind of the one things we know as the bad guys already. But for example, aluminum. So we know when we cook with aluminum with citrus-based foods, such as lime, you know, this salmon with lime or barbecue sauce with tomato juice, those are all bad news because they lead to aluminum into your food or 
um, titanium dioxide nanoparticles that are often part of sunscreens. Well, it's great that they're not chemical, but the, the nanoparticle version of titanium dioxide and zinc oxide actually inhibit calcium ATPase or sushi. So tuna's grade sushi has a high level of mercury and mercury is a known calcium ATPase inhibitor or pesticides, you know, the ones found in RAID, uh, front guard, um, just a lot of the ones you use around your home with your pets, those pesticides specifically inhibit calcium ATPase. So one part of it is reducing the things that inhibit calcium ATPase. And in my book, I give you a really thorough checklist and you definitely don't have to do them all at one time, mm-hmm. but it's just important to know or try to reduce the things that we know have a negative effect on calcium ATPase. So that's kind of one part of what you need to do. The second part is nutrition. And within nutrition, there's kind of two different principles. One is high blood sugar. So unfortunately, we all know high blood sugar is not good for us, despite the fact that sweets taste great. And certainly you can indulge you know, a few times a year on holidays. In fact, it's almost Easter, and I've recently gotten a little package of marshmallow chicks, which are totally sugar and totally diet, totally off the diet. But the point is, is what happens with high blood sugar is the sugar molecules actually attach to calcium ATPase and disable it. So you, it's just really important, whatever method you take, whether it's keto, paleo, Mediterranean, or just something moderation, high periods of high blood sugar basically are the enemies of calcium ATPase. So that's kind of one overwhelming fact. The second fact in terms of nutrition is that many preservatives and additives and dyes and processed food also have a negative impact on calcium ATPase. So there's the blood sugar, there's the additives, and there's the pesticides, which are all bad for calcium ATPase. But the good news is there's things that are actually good for calcium ATPase. And a lot of foods that you you probably like and maybe are eating, but this gives you one more reason to eat them, such as all berries, blueberries, blackberries, strawberries, um, pomegranate fruit, grapefruit, goju berries, red grapes um, with nuts. It's almonds, sunflower seeds, pine nuts, pecans, and walnuts. And with vegetables, it can be tomatoes, cabbage, all sorts of peppers, artichokes, thyme, rosemary. And I know this is kind of a list of things you've already heard of that are good for you in various ways, which is all true. But what I want you to really understand in which I really outline in my book, is that these comp- these foods actually contain compounds such as elegic acid, lutololin, lipocene, resveratrol, that those compounds have actually been proven in studies to stimulate calcium ATPase. So it's not just that you know these foods are good, but these foods are actually particularly good for calcium ATPase. So... So sure, there are some things you should avoid, but you know, one way to make that happen, and one thing I do is that, for example, every breakfast I have, I include a berry. It can be 
on my oatmeal, it can be in a smoothie, but berries are already part of my breakfast. So that's one check off for calcium ATPase. The other two is for snacks. So one snack always contains a nut, and there's various kinds of work. And then one snack always contains some vegetable that I know stimulates calcium ATPase. So therefore, whatever you have during the day, you know for sure for breakfast and your two snacks, you have these calcium ATPase stimulators. Mm-hmm. Regardless if you know you go out to lunch for an office birthday party or <laughs> so so I so the, the main the main takeaway is that there's certainly things that can inhibit it, but there's also things you can do on a daily basis that can help support it. Absolutely. We're not going to have time to get into this conversation, but um, we had a show with Dr. Lawrence Afrin about mast cell syndrome. And uh, there's a connection and you've just brought in another uh, a connection to this syndrome um, because I read that uh, reduction in in calcium ATPase is involved with allergies. And this is a talk about mast syndrome or mast cells and histamine. So it, it is pervasive and it's a great, you know, what you're doing is you're providing is we always try and do here is options for people to start thinking. But the good news is that um, you're attending to health. And, and that's what that, you know, we like to see, I like to see, and it's overriding, you know, the environment and the nutrition. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's just, it's just an amazing thing that you've done to educate us on this. I'm so happy that you that you've come to our show. I have to ask you, how is your son doing? He is doing absolutely great. You know, it's not always easy as a college student to avoid processed foods, but, you know, he knows it's, it's crucial to him. In fact, he's the one who said, mom, you have to write the book. How old is he, Brandy? <laughs> he's almost 20. Mom, you wow. have to write the book, you know, so that's what I did. I'm writing the book, but just briefly in terms of the, the relationship to mast cells, reduced calcium ATPase triggers mast cell degranulation. In addition to when there is an allergen present, it magnifies the inflammatory response. That's a whole nother show, but mm-hmm. calcium ATPase is crucial to your allergic response, which is um, something I was really aware with my son. And you did mention just before we, we come to the end here, you did mention, I think at some point that there are medicines targeting this enzyme or did, am I wrong? Yeah so, yeah. so it's really exciting, which obviously is going to happen because it's so important to health. There's all these pharmaceutical companies now sniffing around. But one of the, the one of the things I've done is I've been supportive of a company called Neurodon that's actually developed substances or molecules that stimulate calcium AD, which, which is so wonderfully exciting is that in animal studies, for example, in Alzheimer's, it prevents neuron death and memory loss in Alzheimer's type mice. It also, in diabetic mice, it um, controls blood sugar and prevents the heart defects normally associated with diabetes. And finally, I'm so excited because I just recently began work with a Harvard researcher that has found this chip that we implants in mice. It's wireless. And he turns it on, it stimulates calcium ATPase, which reduces, the, which increases the metabolism rate by 20% and the overweight mice lose weight. So there's so many exciting possibilities mm-hmm. down the road. But in the meantime, 
you know, we can take actions on our own to, you know, optimize the levels of this enzyme. But hopefully down the road, there could be some really exciting treatments that could actually, you know, really prevent a lot of these major diseases. Another mechanism for diabetes, heart disease, another method of treatment. And we're always looking for different methods of treatment because there's, you know, oftentimes not one simple solution. And, and I, and I guess, I guess what this hinges on is a viable test. So, exactly. so yeah, exactly. I'm working both ends. Yeah, you both both ends to get this. Out. That's great. It's, I'm working all, all ends. Well, it's wonderful. When does your book come out, uh, Brundy? It comes out on April 6th, and it's currently available for pre-order on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Or if you're not ready to take the plunge for the book, you go to brundybrody.com. You'll find a lot of information, and especially I would direct you to the newsletters because the great thing about the newsletters, it really makes it practical. Um, So if you're not ready to take it all in, it's a great way just to learn at your own pace. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I've learned so much. It's wonderful. So much that can be done in application, you know, and another avenue of thought for different things. So thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Kathy. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.